you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. It's toward the end of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. There should be one right in front of you in the, bowl, or in the pew there, if you want to use that. Also, the words will be on the screen as well. Well, 2023 is starting off with a lot of blessings for the Jakes family. A lot of incredible blessings from God's hand. On January 11th, JP and Kyla welcomed in Miley, who might be sleeping through her grandpa's ser uh, sermon today. But that was the blessing of Katie and my fourth child. What a way to start the year. And then we got news that our oldest daughter, Jessie, who has three kids already, uh, a four-year-old and twin two-year-olds, she is pregnant, uh, and she is going to have a child in September, number four. And I love the way she told the family. By the way, when you have four kids and you have twins, you don't get the sonogram. They don't even give it to you anymore. You know, it's like, get out of here. You've done this a lot. So, just kidding. But they took a picture with the three kids, and they had the oldest holding a little number four balloon, right? She's four. It's kind of, you know, she's four in November. So I look at the picture like, ah, it's cute. There's my grandkids, you know. I don't really know about the balloon. All of a sudden, the phone blows up. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. Are you real? I'm like, what, what do I, what I miss, you know? And you look back, and you're like, oh, four. There's another one on the way. For those of you who are counting grandkid number five, Yahoo. Uh, I was in the hospital with Kyle and JP uh, just celebrating Miley's uh, arrival when they were actually calling the pediatrician. Uh, they were setting up uh, the, the appointment with the uh, pediatrician, uh, to make sure that Miley could get in there and checked out, and that began that lifelong process of going to the doctors. Why? To make sure that they're growing. I mean, to make sure that, that, uh, that she's put on weight, uh, that she's getting bigger. Why? Because, listen, healthy things grow, right? And so you go to the doctors. As a matter of fact, Jessie, uh, Katie was there when she first went to the doctors to confirm that she was pregnant. Even in the womb, the doctors, those of you who know, they, they start taking pictures. They want to make sure, you know, how is the baby doing? How is the baby growing? Because um, healthy things will grow. Well, last week, we started a sermon series through this amazing little book, uh, or really a letter, uh, to the church in Colossae. It's called Colossians. And we're looking at this, we're calling it the gospel truth. Because there's so many things that God wants to teach us uh, the church then and the church now, about this gospel truth, this truth that will set us free, this truth that will give us life and, and life abundantly. We can do so many things, but if we miss the gospel truth, if we don't have Christ as our Lord and Savior, everything's for naught. And so it's so important that Paul would say, I, I, I don't want to know anything other than Christ and Christ crucified. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. So what is the gospel truth? It's believing in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so last week, we saw that the church of Colossae, they, they started well. Um, that they have embraced the truth of who Jesus is. That, that they have faith in Jesus as their Lord. That they have love for one another. It's a sign that God is working in, in the church. A sign that he's in our midst of the way we care for one another. You see, the gospel impacts our vertical relationship with him. It restores it. But it also greatly impacts our vertical relationship with one another. And so they had faith in Jesus Christ. They had love for one another, for all of the saints. And they had hope 
They had hope that went beyond this life. They had hope in heaven. Hope of what Christ is doing and what he will do and calling us home. So with that, uh, because they had gospel truth, gospel truth is always accompanied with gospel growth, right? So gospel uh, truth brings life, new life in Christ. We are to grow in the gospel truth, grow in our life, our life with Christ. So for this reason, Paul says this, for this reason, because they were embracing gospel truth, Paul has not stopped praying for gospel growth because he heard about the fact that they were believers and they embraced the gospel. Now it says he's not ceasing. He's just continually praying for their gospel growth. And here's what we're going to look at. What did he pray for? For them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Don't we all long for that? What is God's will in my life? What does God want me to do? If he made me in his image, if his son has restored me, what is his will if he's Lord? And also to be strengthened with all the power of God's might. I love this. It doesn't say be strengthened with your own power. Be strengthened with what you're able to do. But he's praying that God, listen to this reality, would strengthen you with his might. How many of you feel weak? How many of you feel like you're, you're at the end of your rope? How many of you feel like that, that, that God has you in a situation you cannot fix or get out of? Remember, it's not about your strength. His. He is the almighty creator of the universe, able to do all things. So, so because of this gospel truth, uh, Paul is continually praying for gospel growth. They might be filled with the knowledge of God's will. They might be strengthened with all the power of God's might. And then he comes back at the end of this prayer, and he reminds them as a result of embracing gospel truth. Don't forget, if you're a Christian, these are the things that Christ has done for you. So we're going to unpack that today and look at this amazing prayer. Um, we're going to read 1 Corinthians uh, verses 9 through 14. We're going to pick up just where we left off last week. But before we jump into God's word, I have a little bit of explaining to you about God's word. Now, every preacher has to choose a translation in which they want to preach through. You know, and it's, 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 a, it's a something you want to do is, okay, God, what most clearly communicates your truth uh, to God's people in an understanding way? I have chosen for years to preach out of the ESV. It's the English Standard Version. Remember, the Old Testament was originally written in Greek. Uh, the New Testament, I'm sorry, in Hebrew. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. And from that time forward, especially since the Reformation, God's word is translated in a way we can understand it. You've probably seen there's a lot of different translations. Uh, I've had the privilege of being with professors that were on translation teams. And I found out that some translations were written like the NIV for about a seventh grade education or above, very readable. Uh, there's one that's called the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. They said it's more for like a 12th grade education, and it's what's called very wooden. It looks at the Hebrew and the Greek, and it doesn't work so much on the English of making it readable. It makes it, this is what it really means. So uh, there's other translations that you have. There's a new one out, uh, CSB. I read through it last year. And then there's some translations that, that really aren't translations. They're kind of like someone will help you read it in a more readable way, like the message or the Living Bible. Um, okay, I, I know that's a lot. I'll tell you why. I'm going to be in the NASB today. Why? Because when I look at the, the, the Greek in this prayer, it doesn't, isn't it strong enough? It's, it, so what Paul is going to say is, 
hey, you got gospel truth and so, but what really it says, because you have gospel tr truth, for this reason I pray. And so every time I do a sermon, I look at NASB, NIV, King James, ESV, message the, in the original language. And so then I wrestle with, okay, God, which one's going to tell us the clearest truth of your word? So that's, I know, a, a lot to tell you, but I just want to tell you how I got there and about God's word. Remember, the most, the best Bible for you, translation, is the one you read. Don't forget it. And don't you dare let somebody tell you that there's only one that was in 1611 and no one else. There's a lot of good translations. Okay, let's keep going. All right. Hear the word of the Lord. For this reason also, why well, I picked the NSAB, because there's strength to this. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, and you see the of it is italicized. It's really, he's really saying this. For this reason, since we've heard, since we heard what? About you, since we heard of it, the gospel. But he's saying, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask, two forms of prayer, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Praise that you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of the steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, I thank you for the urgency in which Paul was praying for the church in Colossae, that God, he saw by the work of your Spirit that they have embraced Christ as their Lord and Savior, that, that they knew the gospel truth that set them free. And now with urgency, he interceded for their growth. And oh God, although I'm not an apostle, I'm a pastor, I know what it is to pray for a congregation to grow. Not just grow numerically, but grow deep roots, grow spiritually, the knowledge of you, and as we grow to be strengthened, strengthened by your glorious might. Oh God, what I know about King's Chapel, what I know about the church today in America and the world is that God, we need to grow. We need to have the grace to grow. And God, we need to be filled with the knowledge of your word and your will for us. God, we need to be strengthened to stand against the attacks that we see all around us and all within us. So God, this is important. This is your word. God, would you come and be teacher? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? Oh God, would you please give your church here at King's Chapel the, the ears to hear your voice? Oh God, would you give us the minds that would understand your will for us? God, would you give us the hearts that would embrace your love and your truth and the work of your Son 
filled with your spirit. And God, this, this passage says that we should walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Holy Spirit, be with us. Teach us to walk in a manner worthy of our Savior. God, the things that I say are wrong. They're merely my opinion. May those things just be forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of Jesus Christ, use those things to make us more like your Son, our Savior. And it's in Jesus' matchless name that we pray. Amen. I love this reality. I love what Paul is saying. He's seeing the gospel truth. He says, for this reason, because you are embracing gospel truth, Paul has not stopped praying for gospel growth. What he's saying is this. He's interceding. It uses the word prayer and asking twice. It wants to really emphasize the reality because why? Prayer is important. Prayer undergirds what a church growing. We need prayer warriors. How many of you are praying for King's Chapel? How many of you? Okay, some of you raise your hand. Raise your hand. God bless you. It was rhetorical, but thank you. But continue to pray for us. Pray for your pastor who's got a really big target on him. Pray for each one of us. Pray for our kids. Pray that we grow. Pray that we understand God's will. Pray that we're faithful. And I love the fact that here you have, you have Paul. He's interceding. He's praying. Listen, some of you say, I, I can't serve the church this way. I can't serve the church that way. You can pray for us. And it should be on each one of your prayer lists to intercede to pray for us. We need to pray for King's Chapel. And what we need to continue to pray is that King's Chapel continually embraces gospel truth, right? Because right now, what's happening in our world? Uh, is the world embracing gospel truth? I mean, it's truth. I mean, they're trying to redefine truth. Uh, it, it's a whole different world than many of us grew up with. It's a lot darker than it used to be in many, many ways. And we got to pray, God, let us not, you know, become woke. Let, let us not just go in, a direction, in another direction. Let us truly embrace gospel truth no matter what the cost. Let us stand up for the fact that this truth has set us free. This is God's truth. It's universal truth. And we can't let anything get in the way of God's truth. Will you join me in praying for a church that continually embraces gospel truth? Will you pray for our leaders and our elders to say we're putting a flag in the sand? We're going to say, no, we're going to hang on. Will you pray for your staff that we too will embrace gospel truth? Why? Not only pray for that, but pray for continual growth and gospel growth, that all of us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that all of us should be growing. Remember that once you come to Christ, something amazing happens. You become a new creation. God has taken all of your sin and covered it and forgiven us. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Now, let that sit in. In Christ Jesus, you are forever forgiven. You've been robed in Christ's righteousness. I mean, he's given you the righteousness of God. Let that sit in. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But we're babes in Christ. We ask that, that position won't change, but we're to grow. Grow in grace, your standing. Grow in knowledge, your understanding. May we grow together. How is it with you? How would you say, are you growing? What are you doing to help that growth? May each of us grow in the grace and knowledge, grow in grace. And so Paul is praying, and he prays for two specific things as he's praying for them. One is to be filled with the knowledge of God's word. So he wants them to be filled with the knowledge of God's word. He's also going to be praying for them to be strengthened with all God's power. So he wants us to be filled in the knowledge of God's will. Then he kind of tells us a little bit more what that means. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
So if you want to know God's will, you've got to be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, listen, this is important. What he's saying here, this is more than just God's will for your job or God's will for your marriage. Those are important things. Or God's will where you buy your house and what you do. Those are all important things. Lay every request, every decision at God's feet. This is something bigger. He says, I want you to know God's will. And the bigger things, the things when it comes to the reality of what Christ has done for us. The spiritual wisdom and understanding to know the impact of the gospel truth in all of life. He's saying it this way. If you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this should impact everything about the way you live, the way you think, the way you spend your money, the way you love your neighbor. It should impact everything. And the only way you're going to have the knowledge of that is to have spiritual wisdom. The Holy Spirit inside of you, leading and guiding you, understanding of what to do. So this is God's grace. God's grace is spiritual wisdom to discern truth that Jesus is who he says he is. Now listen to this. This is God's grace to discern the truth and make good decisions, that's the understanding, based on the truth. Does it make sense? God's grace to understand the truth, uh, that's spiritual wisdom, and also understanding to make decisions based on the truth. The writer of Proverbs would say it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. You want to know? I mean, the, the, you really know? you got to know the Creator. You've got to be in a relationship with Him. The fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. It's to know Him as Lord, King, Creator of the universe. That there's a God, it's not us. There's a God, and, and He deserves to be pursued and to listen to and live our lives for His glory. So, he basically says, first things first, is like, I, I want you to grow in your knowledge and, and your understanding of, of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be in Christ. I, I want you to grow there. Why? Because, listen, the reality is right thinking it leads to right, uh, right thinking and right believing should lead to right living. So as you grow in, in, in that knowledge, you grow to be faithful. Grow to be faithful follower of Christ. Here's how Paul says it. To walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is important. And this is using the word walking. Peripateo is the Greek word. It means living your life. When he says walk in this manner, it's live your life in this manner. It's like uh, your walk of life. It doesn't mean your specific gait and how you walk. It's how you live. And how important is it for Christians to live in a certain way? Well, it's repeated throughout Scripture. Philippians 1.27, Paul will write, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Okay, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul will say it this way in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you've been called. Paul will say in 1 Thessalonians 2.12, we exhort each one of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. The question for each one of us, church, is this. What does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? What does that mean? Because what we know, we're knuckleheads and we're sinners and we're going to mess up. What does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? If he's the Lord, he's your king. If he's your king, he's your God. If 
He's your God. He's your authority. And walk in a manner worthy of the Lord is to live your life in submission to Christ your King. Thy will be done, not yours. Live your life for His glory, not yours. Not mine. Not only was a life that's worthy, it's living in submission. Okay, God, you've purchased my life. You made me in your image. You've purchased me with the, the blood of your Son. I'm yours. you filled me with your Spirit. My life is yours. Whatever you want to do, living a life that's worthy. Serving on mission for Christ our King. Listen, God has made you for more than your personal comfort and peace. God has made you for more than just securing your retirement. God has made you more for than your next vacation. Although I love my next vacation. He's made you for himself. As an ambassador. As, as the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And to live for him. And he didn't make a mistake with making you the way you are. And he didn't make a mistake by gifting you the way you're gifted and not gifting you ways you're not. And he didn't make a mistake by placing you here, here and now. But he wants you to be his ambassador. He, he wants you to tell his story more than just yours. He wants you to live for him and his glory. He wants you to serve on mission. He wants you to wake up tomorrow and realize, no matter what's on your calendar to do, that God's got something for you to do. Love your neighbor. Love him. Walk in obedience to him. And this is living worthy. It doesn't mean living sinlessly. None of us can do that. It's a life of faith and repentance. Listen, don't forget that. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear that you're not good enough and you're messing it all up. All of us are a mess. Live your life knowing that a Christian life is faith and repentance. It's believing and repenting for the things that we failed to do, saying, God, continue to use me. Uh, continue to have me fall forward. It's growing and learning. And then he says, so we know this, being filled with all knowledge of God's will, to be faithful, pleasing him in all respects. I love our motto. What's a motto? Nothing. What's a motto with you? So our motto, for the glory of our great God. May that be our life's motto. For all we do, pleasing God in all respects. Being faithful. But not just being faithful, being fruitful. Fruitful for God. To be fruitful. What does it mean to be fruitful? Bearing fruit in every good work. All right. Listen to this passage that Paul writes in Ephesians. It's familiar. You may have heard it. It's incredible. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We got it. We're going to really look at the 10 part. But you've got to get the 8 and 9 first. Christian, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one can boast. But then it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We've been born again, made new in Christ Jesus for good works. Isn't it amazing? He says, by the way, you're not saved by good works. You're saved by God's grace through faith in what Christ has done. But you are saved for good works, to do good works. Isn't that the interesting? That that good works isn't the root of our salvation, it's the fruit of our salvation. You see the difference? Many people live their lives thinking that God will love and accept them if they do the right thing. If they have enough good works, God will say, okay, you're in. None of us. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. He doesn't save us by what we do. He saves us because of what Jesus has done. Right? Right? Through his life, death, and resurrection. 
but he saves us to do good works. And it goes on to say, which God prepared beforehand, this is why we're saved, that we should walk in them. I love it. There's that word walk again. Live this, bearing fruit, fruit of grace. Fruit, again, is not the root of faith. Fruit is uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the graces of, uh, <laughs> let me say it again. Fruit of grace, uh, the reality is we're not saved by our works, but we are saved to our works. That should bear fruit. God has redeemed us in Christ Jesus to walk in good works. I love our motto. What's a motto? Nothing. What's a motto with you? It's for the glory of our great God. What's the other side of that? For the good of our neighbor, right? I mean, he has saved us. Church, we're here for our community. We're here for his glory first. But we're here to be salt and light in this world. We're here to make a difference. And you know, when the church is working is when Longwood says, what would we do without King's Chapel? When Northern Orlando would say, man, that church, man, the way they love us and the way they love one another, I know we're small. But this is the gospel for the good of our neighbor and our neighbor in need. God has redeemed us for that, to bear fruit, serving Jesus in the church and being the church in the world. Serving at King's Chapel. That's part of the good works. Man, helping us set up here. Uh, helping us with King's kids. We got, we got some real needs. Helping us with hospitality. Serving the church as the church. Helping us with Commission 127. I, I, church, we need, we need help. I mean, the, the good works that God's called us to, we need some meals. We got a couple families we have the privilege of supporting. I mean, listen, they're doing the hard work of fostering. We want to come alongside and say we love you. I mean, we, we want to make a meal. We want to bring a meal. We just want to serve you. Here, use the QR code. I mean, just fill this out. Say, I'll, I'll bring a meal. I, I, I can do it. I mean, we're trying to provide every way we can to help us be the church, to love our neighbor for the glory of our, our, our uh, God and for the good of our neighbor. So he's saying all these things to be fruitful, bearing fruit in every good work. Then he kind of comes back to growing. He says again, increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, in the fall, we had a vision presentation, and I, and I, I wanted to show it. I don't have it here, but I talked about this ER, uh, our, our motto, this emergency room thing, right? Equipping those among us, reaching those around us. I feel like that's the church, growing the knowledge that's equipping you to know and love Jesus, to reach the world around us. That's our ministry partners and other things, and the things that you're doing outside of our church. But equipping those among us. How are you increasing in the knowledge of God? It shouldn't just be a solo flight. It should be a solo flight. It should be something you're doing on your own. But it shouldn't be just a solo flight. Again, the things that we're offering, um, you don't have to be involved in all of these things. But let me ask you, do you go to KC and EAM? I mean, we got a really gifted teacher in Charlie. He's, gonna, he's been trained in seminary. Uh, he's got gifts for this. Uh, got away. So KC and EAM, 9 o'clock uh, on a Sunday morning. Show up. You're going you're gonna to hear God's word. Uh, KC groups. I love the fact that on a Thursday, we got a new group here. If you live in this area, we'd love for you to join us. Uh, we're just talking about the sermon and, and how we can grow. Uh, there's about 12 or 13 of us that have started this journey. Creeds and coffee. We meet here on 7 in the morning, and we look through an old uh, catechism called the Heidelberg Catechism. I mean, our women's ministry is cranking up. I mean, these are the ways we prayerfully say, God, we want to increase our knowledge of you, and we want to equip those among us. Certainly, you know, when you come on a Sunday morning, I'm going to give you God's word the best I can. And there's nothing that, that, is, uh, that can match God's people getting together for worship and under his word.
But there's other areas to grow. Being equipped. How are you being equipped? And how are you serving King's Chapel? Are you helping us prepare for worship? And are you helping us serve our community? Uh, again, we're going to try to emphasize a ministry partner every month. There's going to be ways. We're going to go to the sharing center and ways to help out. There's tons of ways. But may we be the church. Um, all these things so that we can be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Then he prays to be strengthened with all power of God's might. To be strengthened with God's might. Why? Uh, for great endurance, or as the NASV translates it, steadfastness. God wants you strengthened. Why? Because you're in a battle. And so am I. We are. I mean, the battle lines have been drawn. We say our king is Jesus. We say our allegiance is with our Father. We say we're those who are standing up for him. And I tell you what, we live in a time that's not going to be popular. It's not going to be embraced. And not only by culture, but by the fact that there's an enemy. There, there is an enemy that would love to take us down, love to mess us up, love to divide our church. Love is to have us focus on what's not that important. They love to divide us over stupid, petty things that churches get divided over over and over again. But may the reality is, may we have great endurance, because you are in a battle. Hold your position. We're being attacked. How many churches have given up? How many churches have given up their position and just say, oh, I, you know, if this is the way that love is love is love, let's just define it that way. You know, if this is the what marriage should be, let's define it that way. No. We are a congregation that submits to the authority of God's word. He is the one who tells us what's true and real. And we've got to say, that's what we embrace. So strengthen us. Strengthen us, God, to have endurance. Give us great patience. This is forbearance and great restraint. This is waiting on the Lord. Patience for yourself. Patience to grow. I mean, boy, do we need patience now. Oh, man, as a pastor, I want it all tomorrow. I want everything for King's Chapel tomorrow. Um, and the reality, I'm telling you, it's a great core here. I love it. If this is all that God do, does for us and all of our growth goes downward and not just outward, to God be the glory. But I'm praying for both. It's just some patience. Patience for all of us to live that life for him. So be strengthened for endurance. God's not saying pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Be strengthened for patience. But I love this. Forbearance and great restraint, but it should lead to joyous thankfulness. By the way, let me take you back to the Bible and say again in the Greek, they got this word joyful, joyous, and they don't know where to put it. Does it go with joyful patience or does it go with joyful thankfulness? And that's the things that you've got to wrestle with sometimes, you know? And by the way, it's like Paul is, the, the, the section we're in is like a 230-word one sentence. It just rambles. But it's beautiful, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But let me come back and say, really think you got it right when it's joyful thanksgiving. Joyful thanksgiving. Is there joy in your life, and is there thanksgiving in your life? I will tell you this. Your joyful thanksgiving is going to be in direct correlation to how you know God. If you know God for who he really is, creator, sustainer, redeemer, if you know God for who he is, you can't help but being thankful. For every day, new morning mercies we see. Uh, for every day, great is his faithfulness. For the beauty of his creation, for the beauty of our grandkids, for the beauty of our spouses, for the beauty of a sunset, I mean, yeah, it's all broken, but man, be thankful. 
How much thankfulness, joyous thankfulness do you have for God? If you really know God, you would be joyously thankful, or if you really know yourself. When I mean really know yourself, it's like, oh, man, oof, oof. But boy, am I thankful. He loves a knucklehead. He loves a broken sinner. He loves one who continually falls and continually fails, and he's not giving up on me. He's got a plan for me. And he, I'm going to make it home, not because I'm strong, because he is. Not because I'm faithful, because he is. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ. I'm thankful for the righteousness of Christ. I'm thankful for redemption. I'm thankful for life and life abundantly. I'm thankful that before time began, God loved me. He loved you. And he did something about it. That should make us joyfully, joyously thankful. Church, we should be the most thankful people on the planet because we are the most loved people on the planet, right? For what Christ has done. You know what the enemy would love us to do? Complain. And we'll look at your own junk and brokenness and all the junk and brokenness in the church. And I'm telling you, look around. There's a lot of brokenness here. A lot of things we could do better. A lot of things we want to do better. But are we joyously thankful for what Christ is doing in our midst? If you know him, you'll be thankful for him. If you know you, you'll be thankful for him. And oh, the grace to live our God, live joyfully, joyously thankful is to give God glory in all things. Listen, grace leads to gratitude. Grace leads to gratitude. You understand God's grace? It will be completely measured by how you say thank you. Grace leads to gratitude. If you know him, you'll want to thank him. If you know him, you'll want to live for him. As a result, of it, so, so, so then we, he has this prayer. Then, then Paul will say, and we'll, as we, we close this, he kind of ends his prayer, and he kind of reminds us. He's, he's like, by the way, as a result of embracing gospel truth, he gives us three things that happen, and I'm going to give them in reverse order. I'm going to tell you in 14, 13, and 12. He's redeemed us from our sins, in verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you're a Christian, let me remind you, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He has forgiven our sins. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. If you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven, and you are redeemed. Not only did he redeem us, he rescued us. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's delivered us from the, dominion of, the domain of darkness, and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. According to the Bible, by nature we're children of wrath, by nature we're apart from God, but this incredible gospel rescues us from darkness into his marvelous light, into the kingdom of his son. What an incredible thing. He's redeemed us, he's rescued us, but he's also qualified us. Qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. Verse 12 giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. All of the qualifications that a holy God has written and determined for us to be his, all of the qualifications for us to have life and inheritance in Christ has been met in Christ. We have been qualified. Tell the enemy to get the heck out of your ear. Tell the mirror to shut up. 
your qualification in God's eyes is not in what you do, it's what Christ has already done. He has, past tense, qualified us to be his. This is such good news. This is such good news. None of us deserve it. All of us receive it by God's grace in Christ Jesus. The qualifications have been met in Jesus. Gospel truth has given us life in Christ. Gospel growth should now take place. 2023 has been a blessed year of growth in the Jakes family, and there's more to come. But oh, how I pray for 2023 to be a blessed year of growth for King's Chapel, for each one of us, that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that you may be strengthened with all power of God's might. May the gospel truth flourish among us because gospel growth happens in each one of us. May the gospel truth flourish and may the gospel growth be in each one of us. Amen? Let's pray. Now, Father God, we're so grateful for your gospel truth that has set us free. We're so grateful for the life that is ours, that you have redeemed us, that you have rescued us, that you have qualified us. Oh God, those, those words are, are so, they're, they're, they're so amazingly good. It's hard to even say, God, how can it be this good? How, how can you love this well? How could your son's work be this effective for sinners like us? But it is. But God, you've rescued us so that we would be your own. And you've called us to yourself so that we would grow. That we would be more like your son, our Savior, Jesus. That we would walk in a manner worthy of his name. God, may 2023 be a year of record growth spiritually for each one of us here at King's Chapel. We pray in Christ's matchless name. Amen.